Hey, I'm Karina, and this is Birth and Stuff. Birth and Stuff is a podcast for parents, people who are interested in having children, people who have children, people who have stories to tell through pregnancy, childbirth, labor, postpartum, all of that. I'm so excited to welcome back to the show someone who I met through this platform through Birth and Stuff, and I reached out and had her on an episode, and that's Lacey, Lacey Doyle. Hi. I wanted to talk to you again because, like I was saying to you, uh, January is Mental Wellness Month, and I just wanted to put something out, you know, for that and for the listeners, and we we could just have a conversation about, you know, our mental wellness, our relationship with our mental illnesses and all of that. So I really appreciate you always being so open to sharing um, with, you know, with me, with the listeners, with your platform and your readers and viewers, I guess, of your, you know, your Instagram and everything. So I really just, I feel that. And I think I've told you, you know, the way that you, um, are so open and honest and vulnerable with everyone is really inspiring to people like me that are like just starting out and doing something like this, you know, where I just came up with this little podcast idea and was like, let me just do it and see what happens. And as I'm doing it, I'm like becoming more confident and, you know, having those conversations and being vulnerable. And so anyways, I'm rambling at this time. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. How has life been since the last time we talked? What was it? Uh, Mid-November, right? Yes. Okay. So holidays and everything. Um, holidays during a pandemic. It was a little bit more chill because of the pandemic, but also, I don't know, with the little kids, it's just still, there's a lot of exhaustion that goes on because <laughs> they can just sense all of the excitement going on. So I feel like it was then exhausting on my end too. So we're just kind of like, we made it through. That's kind of where we are right now. The whatever week of January this is. This is the we're going into the, the second week of January. We're like, oh, like I know it already feels like the fourth week of January. But, but yeah, we're just like trying to catch our breath and like get our bearings back after the presence. And you know, we try to ask for like experience gifts so that the kids aren't so overwhelmed. Which I know is a privilege in and of itself for us to say like they get too much stuff. But yeah. Of course, the grandparents have a hard time and they still get them so much. And then, you know, like the stimulation and stuff, it's just, yeah, we kind of have to like regulate them a bit. Yeah, I had to do the same thing because my son has so many toys, so many that I'm like going on mom groups on like the peanut app over here. (laughs) And like saying like, do you need toys? Like, does anyone need toys that's in my area? I'll come drop them off. Like, no problem. Like, he just got way too much. And people love giving him toys and I'm like he loves to read you know like mm-hmm. books or you can give he him like to go to the zoo like a dance class or something <laughs> yeah so I love that idea of you know an experience piano lessons a dance class mm-hmm. swim class whatever it might be um that's amazing because yeah I, I had to ask my mom I was like please just don't buy him toys. So she really like honored that. And I felt so happy. That's awesome. I was like, thank you. I was like, thank you, mom. So she bought him like sh- the shampoo and conditioner that he uses or the shampoo and baby um, lotion that he uses, like the Cetaphil one. So I'm like, okay. So she bought him something that was not a toy and it's something Love practical. That. That's what I use. Yeah. That's so like, that's yeah. Like a grandma move. <laughs> right. I was like, and so my mom, like, and I, and I've talked about it a little bit and my mom listens. So I'm always like, Hey mom, <laughs> like <laughs> giving her props on the show because like this year or well, this last year alone, because of therapy, I've learned how to like explain myself to my mom and, you know, times that she may say something or do things that may appear to me as her saying it the wrong way or me taking it the wrong way. Like I've gotten better at kind of explaining that to her and being like, Hey mom, when you say things like that, it makes me feel like this, you know, you know? (laughs) So, so yeah, we've kind of really been able to grow our relationship because of that this last year. And so when I told her, when she was like, what does the baby want for Christmas? I was like, please no toys. Like 
I know you're probably still going to want to get him one or something, but please no toys. If you want to get him books, if you want to get him like a bed or I first said a dresser, I was like, mm-hmm. he needs to like upgrade his room. You yeah. know, he's getting bigger. And so, yeah, she helped me buy him a bed. She got him like the baby wash and the lotion and she got him like clothes and I was just like thank you mom he still got toys from like other family members that I didn't feel as comfortable asking that of yeah but you know so so I was like I appreciate that my mom really honored that and that was something that you know because of therapy because of (laughs) me you know taking this ride this year of being like I was really going to focus on my mental wellness and you know uh learning how to talk to people in the way that they'll understand where I'm coming from because a lot of the times we internalize a lot of that. Like if my mom would say something the wrong way, I'd just be like, hold it inside and be like, Oh, she makes me so Mm -hmm. mad when she does that. But now if she does it, I'll be like, Hey mom, like when you do that, it doesn't make me feel good. And then like, we'll have a little bit of a tiff, but then she'll get it and she'll, she'll like actually do better. So I'm really blessed that, you know, she, she, yeah, she listens and she takes that into consideration. Yeah, I'm really happy that, you know, therapy has been a way of me talking that through and like writing and journaling and getting through how do I communicate and have a better relationship with my mom. And even in terms of don't get my baby too many toys. (laughs) So all of that to say your holidays were good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to talk about just because I find it adorable and cute that your husband made you a TikTok <laughs> and surprised you with it. How was that? Well, I was shocked. He is, <laughs> I knew he has been obsessed with TikTok since he got on it probably like six months ago. And, and it's so funny because you you had posted something, right? Being like, oh, he's so obsessed with TikTok. And yes. I was like, oh, what's his name? I'm going to follow him. And then I went and followed him. And I didn't even see the videos if he had posted on his own of making you an account. So I didn't even know until after you had posted it oh, that he made you one. I was okay. like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he's super sneaky. But I, had been, I didn't know anything about TikTok. And I'll, all I knew were like high school girls doing those silly dances. And so I was like you are 33. Like you are way too old for TikTok. And he kept, he kept telling me like, there's another side of it. Like actually like mental health advocates are using it as a platform. And there's like a lot of people on their, our age doing amazing work on TikTok. And I just didn't know. And so I was just really like, no, I'm not going to do that. And so he just did it himself behind my back, but in a super sweet and like really thoughtful way. And it was a success. Like a lot of people were probably following to see like my reaction but plenty have stuck around which is really really cool yeah that's so amazing I just like had a crash course and how to tiktok (laughs) and uh yeah I'll be I'll be 35 in March so I don't know how old you are but I just felt like really too old but then I'm learning like now I'm following a lot of people even older than me that just have this wisdom that they're sharing yeah and these little like you know, easy to digest bites of information. And it's actually really helpful. Yes, I love it. I love that you're on TikTok. I love (laughs) that you also thought it was a platform for like high school girls uh, dancing because that's how it kind of started. I mean, that's, that's what it took off as really. And then it during the pandemic, especially everyone had time on their hands. So Uh everyone started getting on TikTok and creating content of all kinds. And if you, I mean, the things that come across my for you page, I'm just like, um, earwax removal. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. It gets you sucked in. I mean, every single yes. night, like since I've been on TikTok, I am up probably two hours past what I usually am oh, up because I just no. like, it's a rabbit hole. I just fall and I'm just like video after video. And then it's, you know, two hours later. Yes. But I yes. really, I do love it. I will say. <laughs> Well, that's great. I'm glad that you're on there. I'm glad it was a success. You've had, I mean, when I went on your page, I think it was like 20 something thousand followers. I was like, oh my God, he did work. Like it wasn't like, like, oh, I made my wife a page and there's a couple, you know, hundred followers. He did work. He got you a lot of followers. It was really amazing. And now you have this platform where you get to deliver those bite-sized you know pieces of information and your experience and I love it I just love it so much thank you I've had so many cool conversations with people on on TikTok and yeah people messaging me their own stories which is what I love I love to connect and hear other people's stories and it's just interesting to hear you know somebody with 
the same maybe diagnosis as me, but their experience is completely different. And people, I guess, because of my openness, maybe they have felt it was okay to open up to me. And I have really appreciated that. That's been the coolest part is just to meet people via TikTok and hear their stories. Yes. And some of the work that he did um, with adding people, he was like trying to get specific people that would be interested. So I feel like I have had really good conversations with people because they're there because they either struggle with something similar or they're interested Mm -hmm. or, you know, they, there's something, there's a thread of commonality there. Yeah. It's really cool. I love it. That's so cool. So then now we're in, I mean, 2021, right? We made it through the holidays and we were like, oh, good riddance 2020. Like, bye. Worst year ever. And then a week into 2021 and we're talking about how it feels like it's been months, basically. Um, How has, you know, all of that been for you? And you're, I mean, kind of closer to it geographically wise as to what happened in the Capitol the other day and all of that. How was that for you? And did you, I mean, were your kids aware of what was going on or did you not really have the news on? Like how, like, tell me a little bit about how that was for you. Um, Yeah, they, my oldest is four and a half. And so um, we are going to start having conversations with her, but we've gotten some advice on how to do so without actually showing her the images. Cause I feel like imagery is something that will stick with people a lot more. Yeah. um, So they don't really know what's going on, but we do hope to have those conversations but um us we are close enough to where we we have a couple of friends that live in those in that area um the suburbs surrounding that area so it's just it's been heavy this week I just feel so sad I mean I just feel like my heart is so heavy mostly for all of the people of color who are watching this and just being it's just reiterating the fact that they are treated so differently. And I'm, I'm getting chills talking about it because I obviously have no idea how they feel. Right. But if my heart feels this heavy, I, I cannot imagine. Like I just, right. to just, to know it would have looked so much different. It would have been gruesome. And that's really sad to have to realize Mm -hmm. that some people don't get that, you know, like, like I get it, you get it, Mm -hmm. they get it. Some people just don't even comprehend. They're like, well, they were doing the same thing. And it's like, no, they were not. So no, and (sighs) Brianna Taylor actually was killed in my city. I don't know if you made that connection or not, but I live live in Louisville, Kentucky. So that is where Brianna was shot last last March. So the riots and the um, the protesting here, it has been really personal. And those people were crying out. They were not, they didn't have malice in their hearts. They were crying for justice. <laughs> like yes. you can't look at those peaceful protesters that I saw in my city and even compare that to what happened on Wednesday. Right. Like right. it's just not the same. Those people, like they were angry, sure, over the summer, it, rightfully so. Oh, it's so heavy. And it's such a heavy thing to be a parent at this time, be a person in general, be a parent at this time, and think, my kid is growing up into this, right? Like, my kid is going to be surrounded by this, unfortunately, still, like, we're we're trying, we're trying to make progress. But it's still affecting me as it was happening the other day. And I don't know why I do this to myself, but it was, it was all happening. I had like, I have so many screens on my desk when I work. So I had like my little laptop with the news on all day. And I was just like hearing reports and watching it and just constantly surrounded by it. And I just couldn't look away because I was just like, I cannot believe this is happening right now, you know? And I've told a few people this as someone who, you know, I was a young girl when I went to visit the Capitol. And so I was very like, I didn't appreciate it as much as I would now, but I still like now looking back, I know that I was so proud to be able to go into the Capitol and stand there and like, look at the Senate floor, you know, like Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And being just a seventh grade little girl from, you know, Anaheim, like, I was just like, Oh, my God, this is actually pretty cool. And I felt really proud to be, you know, American. And it was right after 9-11, too. So all of us have this, like, new sense of patriotism that we had just, like, not even realized before. And now, like, when that was happening the other day, and thinking back about that, I was just sitting there crying, because I was like, these people 
say they felt like I did at that moment. You know, they say they're patriotic. They say they're, they love this country, but then they go and do something like that to something that is a symbol of Mm -hmm. this country. Like I just, I couldn't comprehend it and thinking, you know, what is my child going to think when he learns about this? And he's like, Oh mom, like you were an adult when this happened. Like what? Like, that's crazy. It's just so, you know, something we haven't really started the conversations as I'm sure you really haven't with your son because he's only two, but mm-hmm. I am going to, I have a journal that I journal to my daughters anyways, just about different milestones in their life. Not as often as I should, but I yeah. planned this week to make an entry about this event. That way I can put it in my own words at this moment in time so that when they are at an age that's appropriate, maybe, you know, fifth grade, middle schoolish, they can read that. And kind of like yeah. hear what happened from their mom's perspective, even though they're not really ready to hear that yet now. Yes. I love that. And I love that you're doing that because I'm doing something similar. I have a little journal for my son. Um, and right now it mostly has like when when we would go to his um, occupational therapy appointments and I would write my notes in there and like anytime that he would say a new word, I'd put it in there and like things like that, you know, kind of just like an ongoing journal of him. But even my own stuff, like my planners that I've had since I was in like high school and college, like I have all of that stuff. And it's very much with the thought of someday I'm probably not going to be here. Or even if I am, like my kids will want to get to know me in like my own words. And it's like, I think about that. And I like, I write in my planner, I put in like my thoughts, I put in pictures, I do all that stuff. And I'm just like, I'm doing this for me, but I'm doing this for them in the long run. Like this is something that they'll get to know me closer by because they'll get to look at it and say, wow, this is just how my mom thought and how she was and how she planned her life. And, you know, and she was very prepared to like have all of this for us so that we would get to know her in our own way. So, or even like my grandchildren, like that's crazy to think about to me right Mm -hmm. now. But like, when I think about it, I'm like, oh, my god even my grandchildren because i would have loved to have something like that for my parents. i know yeah. i was just as you were saying that i was just thinking like how valuable would that have been to bo- probably both of us if i had had my grandmother's just daily thoughts i just would have loved that that's beautiful that you're doing that you will appreciate Thank it you. and hopefully your future children will too yeah i hope so too so that's just one of those things where it's like I mean, and you journal, right? So how, I mean, have you always been a journaler or are you, have you started it more uh, like in conjunction with like your mental health or is it just something that you do just for fun? Um, I just do it for fun. I, I know now that it does have benefits for the other stuff, mental wellness and whatnot, but I journaled my whole life. I, as soon as I could write, I had journals. They're still in my parents' yeah. basement. And I threw away all the journals from middle school because that was too embarrassing. But I kept the ones from like <laughs> five to eight. And um, yeah, I just always wrote my day and how it felt to me. And that always was some sort of relief. And I didn't really know why until now I know that that is like a form of therapy. So right. Yeah. And it's even healing for ourselves to look back on it and reflect and see how far we've come. It is. I love it. So um, we'll jump into a little more about the topic of the show, you know, our mental health and our mental wellness um, in general during this time. I mean, what are your thoughts and tips for people right now, you know, that are struggling and maybe don't know how to get started with even having a conversation. Like if someone like say where I was a year ago, I was not in therapy yet. I was not ready to go to therapy yet. I knew it was something I wanted to do. How would you convince someone like me, I guess, to, you know, take that next step and feel comfortable doing it? What would you say? Um, I would probably just, I mean, I think the best way to convince somebody is just to give my own testimony of what therapy has done for me and how it has helped me to untangle my thoughts. It's like my brain, I have depression and anxiety. And so when you have both of those, even one of those alone is like a tangled mess and you put those both together and it's like two different types of tangled messes in your brain. And so I would just speak to that person to you a year ago say and say that that Therapy alone is what has enabled me to start to unravel and untangle that. And it's still slightly tangled. It probably always will be. 
but I see progress in how I'm able to function in my daily life because of that work untangling mm-hmm. my brain. I'm a visual person. So that like visual <laughs> of, like, um, untangling yes. and how like you're never going to be, that work's never going to be finished. I'm pretty sure. I mean, maybe. I don't think so, though, for me. Yeah, it's but, an ongoing. Yeah, thing, yeah, but even like a little untangling each visit when I come yes. home and I interact with my husband and my children and I'm doing my work, I'm just better able to function and handle life's normal stresses. Yes. I think with that tangled mess, I think every little stress that comes up, you're just not able to handle it. And if therapy is a tool to help you do that, I don't see why that wouldn't at least be worth a shot to try it. Yes. And what would you say about like the stigma that comes with, and I feel like where we are now from a year or two ago is so much better than we were then um, in terms of a lot more people being open to saying, yes, I go to therapy and it's not a big deal where before it'd be like, oh, that person's in therapy. They're crazy, right? Like they have to be, they have to have some issues going on. And it's like, you could just go to therapy, just talk things out because Mm -hmm. everyone has something going on in their lives. Yeah. Like for myself, I thought, you know, oh, if I go to therapy, like how are people going to think of me or what are people going to think of me? And like this terrible, and it's all society and it's all what we see in movies. You know, it's what we're told through all of that to think that this is a strange thing and it's not normal when really it's something that, you know, more people than we know probably do. Did you have any association of that, you know, like stigma yourself or were you kind of super open to it from the beginning? Um, yeah, I think there definitely was stigma. Just um, I never really saw that modeled in my life with anybody in my family. They all had different mental health issues, but therapy wasn't something that was ever a tool that was used. It was a different, mm-hmm. it was a different time back then. So it's not their fault or anything. Um, but then I also at the same time was super open to it because things just were so difficult the way that I was pre any treatment at all for mental health mm-hmm. that I just felt like I was willing to try anything. So I'm thankful for that. So even though I was kind of like, I, I don't know about this, I will try it though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I even remember when I first went in to my, you know, initial assessment and I was so hesitant to even say anything or to even share anything to begin opening up. And then the moment that I started, it was just like this relief of like, this person's listening to me and I don't have to be afraid to say these things out loud anymore because I've been harboring them inside of me. And now, you know, I just, I'll talk about them. (laughs) I've become, especially to this podcast, I've become so like open to just talking about anything. And my mom's like, you share too much. And I'm like, I'm like, it's fine. I think that's great. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm, I'm being real. I'm being honest. Like, whereas before I would have never thought that I would have felt comfortable telling people I have depression, I have anxiety, I have, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. All of that would have been like, you never say that because you're such a happy person and that's all people see and that's all they need to know. And that's not the case, you know, because I have those things, I am who I am and I'm going to grow into a stronger and better person because I'm managing them and like learning to deal with them. And yes, I am taking something that helps my brain process them, you know, in terms of my medication. So Things like that, where I even had a stigma around the medication. And I think I talked about this with you before on our last episode. And I was like, I don't think when I was first going to get it assessed. And I was like, I don't think they're going to have to give me medicine, though. And then they're like, yeah, let's give you medicine. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I started feeling better and noticing that it was helping. It's just interesting to see how we might have thought like, hey, I'm okay. I'm normal. I'm good before we even got diagnosed with anything before we were taking any kind of medication and then you get it and you see how it improves you and it improves your focus and your productivity and everything and your just mental well-being um how do you i mean what's your stance on that i guess how how do you feel what's your relationship with medication and i know you're um you're very I mean, you could talk about your your intuitive eating and does that have anything to do with, you know, 
your mental health as well and like this the the strain that you know um diet culture and all of that was putting on you yeah um so first with a medication question um I have had a love-hate relationship with medication. There were seasons of my life in the beginning of taking medicine. I've been on it for about 10 years now, um, where I was very hopeful that there would be a day where I wouldn't have to take any medicine and I would wean off at some point. And then a few months later, I would have another really bad season of depression. And I realized that I have like chronic clinical depression. So it's not something that's situational. It is something chemical in my brain. And most likely I will need some sort of medication my entire life. And if I don't, that's great. But I have come to a point now that I realize that I do. And just like a diabetic who would need insulin, it is the same in my brain. So Mm -hmm. I I don't feel bad about it anymore. It's just trying to then educate and tell my story to help others to get there because they still don't view it as the same. It's like if you have high blood pressure – you can either continue to live with high blood pressure or mm-hmm. you can take a pill that helps you to lower it. Yeah. So what would you choose? It's the same for me. It's like, you may have to take that high blood pressure medicine your whole life. You may not. Same for me. It's I'll take it as long as I need it. But if I need it my yeah. whole life, like that's okay. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you, I, so I sent you a podcast the other day and it was all about this as well. Like someone um, going into therapy and, you know, taking medication. And she was also talking about like, I, I would think I would take it and I would think uh, it wasn't doing its job or I wasn't noticing anything being better. And then things would get better. And I'd be like, oh, I don't need this because it's not doing it. Like I'm better now. And then she realized like, oh, it's working. Like that I am taking it. It's working. I think I don't need it, Mm -hmm. but it's actually, I'm doing better because I have been on it and taking it, you know? So it's just funny to like, not funny, but like, you know, to, to look at it and be like, well, yeah, it's doing its job. And I, it, like you said, it may be something I need for the rest of my life and that's fine. So. Yeah. And then the, the intuitive eating part, like letting go of diet culture, it has helped so much with my mental wellness. It is not just like that. I'm not stressing about that anymore, but it's the mental energy that I was giving to that of even when I wasn't like specifically tracking calories, I always kind of knew I've been dieting long enough to know like, okay, this has this many calories. When I pick something up, it's a constant like thought process in my head every time I was around food. And I feel like slowly, it's not like a a switch turned off. I still have to fight those thoughts, but slowly I'm just viewing food as a source of nutrients, a source of energy. And it's, it's been a really beautiful shift for me because it just has felt like, okay, now my life is about all the other things. Mm-hmm. I have more energy to focus on other things now that I, because I would always also have a thought in my head, like, okay, a couple months from now, I'm going to be a smaller size. And like, then this, this, this is going to happen. But now I kind of am just like, this is where I am. Like, what stuff can I do today? It just, mm-hmm. it, fo- it focused um, my attention from the future to now more as well. Yeah. I love that. And I, I, this year, actually, since 2016 or 2017 is the first January that my husband and I are like, just not doing Whole30. You know, like, every year since I learned what Whole30 was, I was like, let's do Whole30. And we would do a few rounds. And we would always think like, oh, that was so great for us. And like, we felt so good. And we lost so much weight. But then, like you and I were talking about the other day on Instagram, like, you just feel like you go back into the binging, you know, you go back into the bad habits, like, it's so easy to fall off the wagon, I guess. Well, and, and most people do. You think it's just you, but 95% of people do fall off the wagon. Right. And then yeah. we're, we're thrown into a, sh- a cycle of shame because then we think, well, why couldn't I have done what this girl on Instagram is doing where she has lost 100 pounds and is, you know, the happiest she's ever been for, you know, 10 years. Yeah. But it's like, that's not usually reality. Yes. But we yes. can still be healthy. I think that's the biggest misconception about intuitive eating is that you just forget about health 
at all. Like you just eat a bunch of donuts and there are days that I eat donuts because I am okay to enjoy that now. But there's also like, I had a moment the other day where I craved a huge salad and not ever in my entire life have I eaten a salad just because I wanted it. It's always Mm -hmm. been because I felt like I needed to, or I had to. And I like, that is what sounded good. And it was so satisfying. And I was just like, okay, this science is really working. Like that I've taken, taken the labels off of food, good and bad. My body is like legit telling me what it needs. And that day it needed a bunch of spinach and feta cheese and like a bunch Mm -hmm. of cucumbers. And then, you know, like if I have a donut, like that's okay too. It's about balance and it's, but it's not that you just forget about health because I also know how much movement helps my mental health. And so I just have had to change my relationship with movement, even calling it movement versus like exercise, because exercise to me means like that I'm trying to like burn something off like specific that I ate or, you know, trying to punish myself for something. But moving my body, which for me is like it's I call it running. It's really slow jogging. (laughs) It's very slow. But that, like, I get 30 minutes away from my kids with music on, and that sounds horrible. I love my kids. But, you know, (laughs) just, like, 30 minutes of, like, I'm listening to music, I'm zoning out, I'm looking at my surroundings. That's a form of meditation to me because my brain is, like, just thinking about the here and the now. 30 minutes later, I feel amazing. Yes. And I don't care how slow I run. Like, I used to, but now I'm just, like, it is what it is. Like, I'm probably the same speed as somebody walks, but it's fine. Right. No, I love that. And I love that that is a big part of it, right? Is our relationship with even the words that we use and the outlook that we have. So instead of calling it exercise, it's movement. And I have kind of been progressing towards that too, where I'll be like, I need to go for a walk. And on my planner, I have like the daily things that I want to check off the boxes. Right. And so before it was like exercise. And now it's just like, Go outside, move for 20 minutes, like just, you know, get your body outside because even during all this time, some days I'm like, I didn't go outside all day or I didn't go outside all week, you know, like it's, it's crazy. And like you said, it can be a form of meditation to just get lost in your thoughts, go for a walk. I definitely know when I, when I go for my walks, I'm like lost thinking of all these things I'll be listening to like a podcast or a song or some music or whatever and I'll be like lost in my thoughts like what was I listening to or I don't even realize that I'm listening to it still you know you're just so lost in your thoughts so that and that's nice and I get it with you know having that time away from your kids because we love them and we're obsessed with them but we do need breaks from them too You know, and they need breaks from us. They you know, do. they want their own time to play and to be their own little people. They Even don't if they don't know it. Running. I have days yes. when my girls are like, they want to be on me all day. But I'm like, I promise you, like, for 30 minutes, if you guys have independent play, this is, you're going to benefit from this. Like, yes. they just don't know what they need at this age. Yeah. <laughs> as far as, you know, mental health and during your pregnancies we kind of talked about it on the on the episodes but do you have anything to say to people who might be struggling with you know their mental health and being pregnant right now or that have had that struggle in the past and maybe didn't even know how to you know how to deal with that how to cope with that at the time yeah i would my biggest advice would be just to not suffer i feel like so many women may feel, you know, symptoms of depression or anxiety through pregnancy and even postpartum. And they just feel like it's just all part of it. So they just kind of suffer through. And I can't tell you what to do. And maybe that would be the best. Yeah. But I just feel like suffering is never going to benefit you or your family or those around you. So whether that means taking medicine or not, at least like seek advice from somebody who could give you, you know, like a a plan to mm-hmm. get out of the pit that is depression. That's always how I visualize it because it does feel like you are below everything else. Everybody else is like up here functioning and you're in this pit below. Um, yeah. And you just don't, you don't have to be, I feel like some people feel like that's just, you know, part of hormones or just like everybody is destined to have some seasons like that. Mm-hmm. But there's always ways to, get better and to feel better yes and we and and everyone has different ways of 
what is better for them, exactly, right? Like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with words sometimes. I'm like, I know what I want to say. <laughs> it's so true because somebody like getting better could be just somebody telling their partner, hey, look, I'm really, really struggling. I need you to just like be specific about what they can take off of your plate. And yes. even that could benefit you and you wouldn't suffer as much as you are just trying to complete normal tasks, feeling like that is sometimes so stressful because you can barely function at a normal rate. So ask for help. Like you don't, maybe you're not ready for therapy or medication or anything like that, but just tell somebody that you're struggling and also tell them like what you're able to do and what you're not. Like it's okay to cut back. Yes. Yes. I love that you're saying that because, okay, so I was just on another interview, right? Um, I was on this interview with Samantha, who I I still don't know what order these are going to come out in. So sorry, listeners, it's going to (laughs) be all over the place. But she was talking about how even when they were starting to get pregnant, like tracking her period was too much for her. She was like, that's something that's bringing on more stress for me. Seeing the notifications of it telling me when my period is coming or if I'm late is too much for me. Like all of that was too much stress for her. And so she put that on her partner and said, if you could track this for me, that will be a relief. And to him, it was no problem. He was like, yeah, I'll put that on my phone and no problem. I'll you know, you tell me when to put in the days that you're on your period or whatever. Yeah. And he did it all. And to her, it was the world, right? Like to her, it was amazing because she doesn't have to deal with, and it is this kind of anxiety of going into your phone, putting in that you have a period and knowing again, like for me right now, I'm feeling this way, like, you know, oh, I didn't get pregnant again this month and I now have to log another period. It's a little bit of emotional, um, roller coaster to be on if if you're trying especially if you're trying to become pregnant right yeah um so for him to have even taken that off of her and you know take it on himself she was just talking about how much that helped her own mental health and just her being pregnant and we're already in such a vulnerable position you know we're already so emotional and you know our body is going through some changes and we're not used to this and then now to add the additional stress of you know tracking things or um what else did she say there was another example that she had said that he had taken on too and I was just like that's so amazing like having that communication with a partner and being able to put a little bit of that stress off of you and and not even putting that stress on someone else but having them help you in a way that may not be such a big deal for them, but for you, it's like everything. Right. So, it might not be stressful for them at all. He just probably yeah. didn't know that that was something that she needed. Exactly. Exactly. Even if, I mean, if you're pregnant and you're struggling and you were prior to pregnancy, the one who got the groceries, like that was just what you did. Usually hand that off, like say, okay, I'm not like, this needs to be what you do. now. <laughs> just like, yeah, just get all the way down to like what you are able to do. Yes. Yes. I absolutely agree because it is such a time where we're just like decent, like small little tasks are too much sometimes. And that's okay. And to feel that way is okay. And I feel like that's a lot of what people want and need to hear that they don't get from the media or, you know, even on Instagram, like, you know, those perfect mom influencers and, you know, everyone's always so great and the best family and happy. And they do it all. They do everything. (laughs) Yes. And it's just like, you, they're probably not showing you the other side of, you know, how they break down at night or how, you know, they're not as happy as they seem on Instagram, you know, like Mm -hmm. you just never know. So having that real, connection with yourself and your partner and being able to communicate those kinds of things, I think is first and foremost going to be the most helpful to someone that may be um, struggling a bit with, you know, now becoming pregnant and probably having a little bit of that stress on them. Yeah, totally. (sighs) Anything that you um, feel needs to be talked about more in terms of you know, mental wellness in general, not even just regarding pregnancy or parenthood, you know, just what do you wish people talked about more? Um, I think something that we really need to just continue dialoguing about, I've heard it a little bit, is pandemic mental health. Because I feel like even if you went into this pandemic without any mental illness, this is 
really freaking hard. And then if you did go into it, like myself, I was already experiencing a season of clinical depression before the pandemic started. Sorry, my cat's going crazy. (laughs) Um, There just needs to be so much more conversation around the fact that what we are experiencing is not normal. So therefore, anything that we are feeling or doing, like if we do something that's not quote unquote normal, like that's okay in this season. I feel like yeah, this isn't a normal season. <laughs> so you may no. have, your needs may be different. Your mental health may be different. Like what worked for you before this may not work for you now. And I feel like that's okay across the board, whether or not you struggle with mental illness at all. But especially if you do, I feel like I have, right. I have tweaked my medication at least three times since March when the pandemic started. And I think that needs to be talked about too, because it's like, oh, you just take medicine and then you're better. No, I took medicine before the pandemic. The pandemic happened. I then had enormous amount of stress on me. I lost my job. I I needed to go in and reevaluate. We added a medicine. We tweaked, you know, the milligrams on another one. And that is just what had to happen for me to function Mm -hmm. in this season that is crazy. And my husband, who has never had anxiety in his entire life, he has ADHD, so he has his own issues, but never experienced anxiety, has struggled so much with anxiety. He has a lot of family issues going on, plus the pandemic. And he is now, you know, seeking therapy for anxiety. And I'm just really proud of him because I feel like even somebody that prior to this had never struggled with this, he was like, okay, this is what it is. Let's treat it. It's fine. And he has made so much progress and it's, yeah, it just, it is what it is. Like we are just doing the very best that we can. All of us are. Yes. And that's, that's great that he is, you know, going to therapy and being able to have that outlet as well. Your cat's like, I'm watching out for whoever. <laughs> well, my husband took my kids out and this is when her favorite time of the day is, is like if the kids aren't home because they all try to like, you know, pet her too hard and pull her tail. <laughs> So he's like, yes, I have the house to myself. She's so cute. He's just like, don't worry, mom, I got you. This is Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'm cool. All right. <laughs> when I was recording last night too, there was a cat in the background, and they kept going to the window too and looking outside. So I'm just like, cats really like to look outside. Yeah. Like, I don't have a cat, so I'm not, and I've never really had a cat as a pet, so I'm not familiar. <laughs> But I'm like, okay, I'm noticing that cats love windows. Uh-huh, I do. <laughs> okay, anyway, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, but yeah, so with your husband, I mean, my husband also has been, you know, more open lately to talking about, you know, how he's feeling. And I feel like I'll always be like, I blabber about my mental health so much to him. And then... I was like, have I not been asking him enough about how he's feeling and how he's doing and how, you know, he's going to school during all of this from remote learning and like, yeah, it's a tough time. And, you know, having more of those conversations and encouraging him to go to therapy and things like that um, has been really good for us. And, you know, just having conversations about how crazy it is that we're living during this, you know, Mm -hmm. acknowledging it, you know. Um, that kind of stuff. And even when you've come to terms with the fact that this is a really insane time to be living right now, then it's also the aspect that my husband is an extrovert. And so he has lost a lot of his socialization that was life giving for him. So I don't, I don't know if that's connected to his anxiety, but it's also something that needs to be at least acknowledged. Like he is dealing with a lot of things because he was so involved with our church, with his friend group, with, you know, just meeting friends for drinks, all of that has been taken away and Skype and everything is just not the same. So he doesn't openly talk about that, but I've seen how that affects him and probably everybody else. I'm an introvert. So that part of the pandemic honestly hasn't been that hard for me. I'm like, it's fine. I don't mind to stay home. It's more of like just the, the doom, the looming doom of all of it that's stressful for me. But yeah, him, I mean, his whole world has changed. As silly as that sounds, it's like not seeing, not seeing people like we're humans, we're made to connect and we all connect in different ways. I still have been connecting because I'm an introvert. I don't have to see people, but he, he needs to be around people. He needs to feel people's energy and that he still has a little bit of that at work, but otherwise, you know, been pretty isolated. 
Yes. And that isolation is something I wanted to talk about too. And even I relate to your husband because I am such an extrovert as people can probably tell just from listening to me talk. (laughs) Um, I am just like, but I'm an extrovert hermit crab. Like I love that we're home. You know, I love that we don't have to go anywhere and like be amongst people. I hate being amongst people, but I love being amongst people. Like it's the weirdest thing. Maybe you're like, people. <laughs> Do you like to be around your yeah, people? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I like being around the people that I know and that I'm going to react well to, or even I love meeting new people, but it's very stressful when it's a lot of people around at the same time. And, you know, there's a lot going on and all of that is just a lot for me. So I also have been struggling with the fact that, you know, I'm very used to having like actual game nights in person with my friends and going, like you said, to get drinks or even at work, like go, we would go to walk to get coffee every morning. And that was just like part of our morning routine. We would get in, we'd all say good morning. We'd all go walk to get coffee and then we'd start our day. And it was just a nice little like, Hey, how was your day? What's going on with you? Blah, blah, blah. And that was so amazing. And now it's like, I just, I see my husband and my son, you know, and sometimes my mother-in-law when I go drop off my son, but that's about it. And to lose all of that interaction and to only get it like in this way in, you know, video calls or phone calls, it's, it's a big shift and it's very hard on you mentally and emotionally. Um, especially with me, you know, I'm on calls all day for work and sometimes they're, I mean, I'm in HR. So sometimes they're stressful calls because they're about heavy things that we have to deal with as a company. So if we're on like a phone call, then it's very easy for me to feel that and to, you know, react to that. And if I'm on a video call, I have to like, remember that people can see my face and, you know, put on a happy face or whatever, not react too much. And it's just such a crazy, like, shift in the world of how we're reacting to things and I was laughing because I watched this TikTok the other day actually and it's about like when we go back into the world how are we going (laughs) to act and we're going to be like making all kinds of weird faces like Uh, we're used to having masks on and like go to hug people and we're going to be like (laughs) hey like like, do you want to hug first or do I like yeah it's going to be weird you should send that one to me I think I would think that was hilarious yes I'll find it because I was I was cracking up because they're just like you don't even realize that you're doing it because I notice when I have my mask on sometimes I'll be like yes like I'm doing weird things because I'm like what do I do with my mouth Uh and then like so when when we go back to normal whenever that would be like how do we just make regular faces again like like people can so, see my mouth now. Like I'm not used to being out at the grocery when they can see what yes. expression I'm actually making. Too. Yes. Yes. It's going to be interesting. And hopefully that will be just like the comic relief of all of this is just kind of like us all collectively laughing at us reintroducing ourselves into society like interactions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've all been yeah. a, in a bunker for the last 10 months or however long it's been. Right. Um, it's, yeah, we're going towards a year. It's crazy. I know. Sorry, let me just adjust myself. No, you're okay. fine. Um, so then as well as on that topic of isolation, one thing I was thinking about was something I forgot about until recently. Um, and that was the isolation I felt in uh, you know, postpartum in recovery and being on maternity leave with my son. So just being home and it just being he and I during the day, my husband being at um, school and how you're like very much, I mean, depending on your situation, some people have help and I had help here and there. Like my sister would come stay with us and help me with the baby and, you know, myself and our house and things like that. But when I would be by myself and even those like long nights where he wouldn't go to sleep and stuff, you know, you get like paralyzed with your thoughts and your, you know, you're in your brain all the time and thinking, you know, that it's, and it goes back to, again, communication with your partner, because it feels like such an isolating thing to be the one who's getting up at night and feeding the baby or putting all of that on yourself. And even if, you know, they may be offering, they may be doing it as well. But for me, in my experience, I was very much like, 
I'll stay up late washing the dishes, cleaning the house, make sure everything's good. And then the baby's going to wake up in an hour. So I'll just stay awake and I'll just wait. And then he would wake up and then we'd be awake for another hour or two. So it was just like, I was doing so much damage to myself mentally and, you know, depriving myself of rest and sleep that I needed to be a good mom. Um, So that was just something that I was thinking about how isolating and, you know, sad I felt during that time when I could easily just go outside and, you know, take my baby to the mall or go for a walk or whatever. And now the parents that are going through that in a pandemic when they've already been in most cases, probably home and pregnant, you know, and isolated and not getting to see their friends and not getting to interact with their family. And then going to have a baby and it just probably being them and their partner and then coming home. And again, that same isolation, but now you have a baby and just how that might feel for people. You know, I just, yeah. I can't imagine. I remember in that season too, I, I also felt really isolated, but it also was such a treat when people would come over and bring a meal or just come over for very short visits. And that is taken away from the people having babies right now too because you have to be hyper aware of who's around your newborn even more so now so even even like just the not immediate family people that would come over to visit you probably aren't having those people it's probably just immediate family that you're having right so I really can't imagine because those were like little lifelines throughout that season that I held on to so I feel for all of those moms and um hopefully they can soon have some more interaction and community I feel like community as a new mom is so so it's so important yes I agree I hope they have people coming along them even even from afar right now I just hope that they have that yeah I yeah definitely because we don't even realize even if it's just you know talking to someone and hearing their experience or telling them hey I'm feeling this way and they're like yeah I felt that way too then it's like oh wow okay so I'm I'm not not wrong but you know I'm not alone in my struggle or in my thoughts or any of that someone else has been here and it's gonna hopefully be okay yeah I as I go into you know trying to get pregnant for a second time and we're still very much in a pandemic, but I know that there's hope on the horizon, you know, and there's hopefully, you know, I hope I'm not, 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 I'm not putting too much on them, but you know, there's going to be some regulation (laughs) soon, hopefully. I mean, it's, it's gotta be at least a little bit better spring, summer, even if the vaccine isn't given out super quickly. So hopefully in your case, whenever you are pregnant, nine months from then things will be, you know, a little bit more bearable, hopefully. Right. I'm trying not oh to like God. expect too much because it's like you don't want to expect by summer to it be back to normal and then it not. Um exactly. I know. So I'm like I'm going into it thinking, okay, I know I'm going into it pregnant in a pandemic, but am I gonna come out of it pregnant? Uh, maybe or like in a pandemic, you know? So hopefully not. My hope I for you not. is that yes. at least by your labor and delivery, no extra worries. <laughs> I know. So we'll see how it goes. But it's just like, to the listeners, it's rough. And you're going to feel all kinds of things. But know that there are people that you know, will talk to you and will hear you out and have probably felt how you're feeling. And that's the important thing to acknowledge, you know, acknowledge that your feelings are valid, and you're not alone in feeling that way. Exactly. And anything that you feel is not abnormal, like anything that you could possibly feel has been felt before by another mom. Because <laughs> I, I don't right. know if it was just me, but every time I had an irrational fear or what I thought was an irrational fear, I was like, I must be the only one who's ever worried about this. But then, you know, come to find out I'm not. Like, it's normal to feel yes. all kinds of things. Yes. And I always think that too, because I'll be like, oh, I have this irrational fear. And I'm like, well, it's not completely irrational. Like, where does it come from? Like, there's some reason that I have this fear, even if I don't understand it you know and even like I said our relationship with words and the way we think about things is will help us significantly in terms of how how we approach everything I guess and if you if you turn around that that type of outlook if you change the words if you change the semantics then you'll get a little more hopefully in the right direction of you know 
I'm 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 steering this forward. You know, I'm going towards the I don't even know what I'm trying to say, you know, <laughs> but I'm doing better for me because I'm not going to just focus on the bad. Yeah. And maybe document it. I feel like the more people that document their struggle in the moment, then they can, even if not, if they don't share right that second, share a little bit later on when you're feeling better, that's yes. going to benefit somebody else. Yes. And I, I was thinking about that going into, again, the second pregnancy like I wish I had written more during my first pregnancy because I, I I remember how bad I felt and all the different things, but I wish I had really written about it mm-hmm. or even recorded videos, recorded audio, whatever, just talked about it in some way that I could reflect and like remember because I'll even be talking to people sometimes for, you know, the podcast and they'll say something and I'll be like, I totally forgot about that. Like that was just something I completely put in the back of my mind and then didn't think about until someone else had also experienced it and mentioned it. And it's like, oh yeah, like I also had that. So I agree writing and, you know, journaling or just remembering in whatever way you can um, is also something that is helpful. Yeah. Cause I feel like as soon as you feel better, you just forget. And that's probably like nature's way of, protecting us because we don't want to hold on to those things but that's I think why it's important to document it if you do want to reflect back later or help others and say like yeah because my mom this is a little side note about her um whenever I was having a little baby like I would say she's doing this and my mom's like no I never I don't think that ever happened to me but then I'm thinking in my head like that was 30 years ago you don't remember exactly and she probably did feel those things and she wasn't yeah. you know, trying to be hurtful. It's just like, I think that your memories, the further away you get from them become like more blended together. So like the good, yes. the good and the bad become just like this good moment <laughs> when really there was some yeah. bad stuff too. And some people might be okay with forgetting that, but I think there's got to be like some good that could happen from remembering all of the, the good and the bad sprinkled in. Yes, I agree. I love you, mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay she's just um, like I just know that she struggled too and she just doesn't remember and I'm like I know that you did it's fine (laughs) (laughs) it's fine someday you'll talk about it (laughs) yeah okay like um with my mom too she at first was very much like I'll talk to you on your podcast and I'll talk about you know my um postpartum depression and I was like that's great I would love to hear about that on the podcast because I've heard about it just in like actual life when I've asked her about it mm-hmm. um but now for mm-hmm. her it, now it's like if I put it out there it's real and I'm like but it was real before mom you know yeah. like you you felt that and you we're very much alone at that time. And at that time, you know, like 20, 30, 30, 30, 40 years ago, sorry, I can't do math. 30, 40 years ago, um, like nobody was talking about it. Right. And my mom, you know, she had just immigrated here from Mexico. She was very new to America and American culture and all of that. So I'm like, it's very important for that scenario and for that to be talked about to other people who even still may be coming here from another country or, you know, experiencing a whole different world and then also being pregnant and then also having postpartum depression. Yeah. She is so strong and I would love to hear her story. I don't know if that matters for her to know, (laughs) like people would love to hear that. And just, I mean, there's so much strength in that story, even just the little synopsis that you just said. I would love to hear. Thank you. I'm going to send this to her and be like, now you have to record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's just, I don't know. She was so eager. And then she was just, it's again, that stigma. Like if I put it out there, then people are going to hear it and they're going to know and they're going to look at me and know. And it's like, so let them look at you and know, like they probably, you know what, mom, they probably went through the same thing mm-hmm. or they know someone who went through the same thing. And now they can say, Hey, I agree with you. I identify with you. You know, like I've been there and that's the, the strengthening part to yeah. me. Yeah, Or they're like me where, as you're telling that story, the first thing that was popping in my head was like, man, she's so strong. Like what a strong person. Like those are all of those obstacles that you mentioned in and of themselves are challenging. So people are going to probably hear her story and think strength. Thank you. Yes. I love it. <sighs> I love my mom. <laughs> he sounds great. 
Thank you. Um, okay, well, I'm going to start wrapping it up. But if there's anything else you think you want to mention or, you know, any final thoughts on mental health, mental wellness, anything, I think please. We covered a lot. I feel like we covered everything okay. that was kind of on my heart. Okay, good. I love it. Thank you so much for letting me record this conversation just very all over the place. <laughs> no, I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Would you like to let people know where they can follow you? Yeah, sure. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram. I'm unbroken.mama. And then I'm newly on TikTok. I honestly, I think it's unbrokenmama. Just all together. I, I don't think it has a dot. I'm so, oh, okay. I'm so new that I think it's just all one word. Unbroken Mama on TikTok. And my blog is unbrokenmama.com. Yeah. All, all of those are the same name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, if you're, yeah, if you're interested in hearing more from Lacey, follow her on Instagram, TikTok, all the things. Check out her, her blog. And um, hopefully we can hear from her again in the future. I would love that. 